Good evening. You are listening to Three Moves Ahead. I'm your host for this week, Len Hafer, joined by 3MA co-founder Troy Goodfellow. Hello, hello. We also have uh, Fanbyte staff writer Mike Williams. Hello, hello, good folks. And PC Games End's senior news writer Ian Boudreaux. How's it going, everybody? Whose name I will not misspell i swear this time (laughs) it's Uh, fine yeah is that you you called that the cajun x is that the difference that like the ones who went south put s x's on the end and the ones who stayed up north didn't or that's usually the 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 split that i've seen yeah like the the louisiana boudreaux spell it with the x and uh and everybody gotcha yeah canadian and french yeah usually without interesting well, we're here to talk about 2021, which uh, was kind of a weird year for strategy games. Uh, some stuff got pushed back. Uh, Total War Warhammer 3, I think, is is like one of the big notable ones. It it kind of felt, compared to the two years that came before it, it kind of felt like a slow year. Uh, and feel free if, if any of you want to contradict me on this. Um, Troy, what do you feel like was just the overall vibe with strategy gaming in 2021? It's a hard year to get a real grip on uh, for a number of reasons. I mean, stuff gets pushed around. There's there some major titles that came out, but even they were delayed a bit. Um, everybody's brain, I think. I was, like, I was the only person whose brain <laughs> was just in an entirely broken state for a lot of the year after a very long 2020, yeah. 2021. I did very little gaming, and that's why I wasn't on the show as much as I would have liked to have been in 2021 because I didn't have much time for gaming. Um, but you know, there was it was a game. It was a year with you know a couple with some major major releases. We had Humankind from Amplitude. We had Age of Empires Four uh, from Microsoft. We had some surprises uh, like Old World from Mohawk Games uh, and Inscription. We had some you know some vigorous franchises coming through and some tried and true uh, things coming along. Uh, I think there were quite a few changes in the industry with you know open beta type stuff with the stuff we're seeing with that age of empires did and that company of heroes is doing where they open up the game for a short period of time to get people playing it. So industry wise, there's some neat stuff going on. I think to take advantage of the fact a lot more people are at home uh, than would normally be the case. And I think it's worked out very well, but I mean, it's not a year that I could say had a particular character to it. It's not a year where you could say, Oh, this is the year of uh, deck builders. So we had some good deck builders. This is the year year of uh, tactical shooters, so we had some of those as well, or the year of 4X, or the year of RTS. It wasn't something you could just put a pin on it and say, this is when this genre broke out or dominated. Um, it was a year of small changes, small improvements, a little bit of backsliding, um, and some nice games pretty much all across the board. But it's honestly, the year's so much of a blur to me. I mean, if you think about it, I had to go back this afternoon and think, wait, is this a 2020 game or is this 2021? Or is this even 2019? Uh, because there's, it's all just yeah. one big stretch of blur. Yeah, Crusader yeah. Kings 3 was the was the one in that category for me where I was like, no, 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 Crusader Kings 3 came out this year. <laughs> no, 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 that was the end of 2020. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, I I agree. It's been a very weird year. I mean, we got we did get some big stuff. Like we got Age of Empires four. We got Humankind, Old World, 
finally came out of early access even civilization six came back uh i i feel like that was maybe to sort of blunt humankind but they just decided out of the random to just be like here we're gonna release some more dlc just on the random It, it it was a very odd year and it was a very interesting dlc with some very creative uh permutations of the civ formula so yeah those i forgot that that was this that was last year well some of it was 2020 right or is it all 2021? See, I, I think I it was think all the 20. First, was the first batch? Oh, I'm going to look this up. The New Frontier Pass. The New Frontier Pass would have started in 2020, right? I want to say the first batch of DLC might have come out late 2020, but a lot of it came out. Yeah. Yeah. Like beginning to middle of this year. Right. Oh, it says May 2020 to March 2021. That's even further back than God. I thought. This um, is the Groundhog Day year for sure. It really is. Uh, yeah. But yeah, it was it was a good year for Civ. Like, interestingly, in a year that Humankind came out and Old World came out of early access, I played more Civilization VI than I did in 2020, certainly, and maybe even about the same amount of time as I played those other two games, um, which is, is interesting that uh, sort of the rise of these... Well, I mean, humankind being a direct competitor, old world, I wouldn't necessarily call a direct competitor to Civ, uh, actually made me just want to play Civ more. <laughs> uh, we had a big, we've, we've had a, a multiplayer Civ 6 game going with a few friends of mine for since like, uh, winter, start of winter last year. Um, it, you know, it, to me, it did feel kind of like an anticipatory year. Like I, the, the, yeah. the delay of total Warhammer three, uh, like, I think, it, I don't know, with the exception of, of, um, Age of Empires four and humankind, um, there, there did seem to be like a vacuum, like Troy mentioned mm-hmm. where there wasn't. And I think that may be because the last couple of years previous, you did have such a strong character in like the emergence and then subsequent collapse really of the popularity of, um, auto battlers like auto chess and team fight mm-hmm. tactics, um, and and that just or or card games were were huge, um, you know, with Slay the Spire and, um, you know, some of the expansions to Hearthstone and stuff before that. But we didn't really have a a, a fad this year, and I guess maybe that contributed to it feeling kind of like, um, like there wasn't something about 2021 that makes it stand out from a strategy games perspective. Like this is the year of the blank, and it it yeah you know, we just didn't have that so much. Yeah, there was no real story, although I, I was happy to get, uh, as a long time, uh, Weeb, Super Robot Wars 30, uh, yeah. finally came over to that. They just released it. Usually I'd have to go get like the Hong Kong version, which is in English, but not actually for our region. So, uh, and there was, what was the other game? Timberborn, I played that. Uh, Shadow Tactics had it. You're right in that yeah. there's no story. Like, there's no one story for It's not the like a year. through line, yeah. Well, I mean, maybe with, I mean, it, it, it's still in many ways continuing the year of the survival city building, right? That's true. Yep. I mean, that's yep. as that's kind of a genre that isn't going away. We had a bunch of those. Many of them were both historical and sci-fi. We had uh, that Storm one you guys talked about uh, that's a couple great. of weeks yeah. ago. Uh, against we the had, Storm. Yep. Uh, going Medieval and Patron. 
uh, in the medieval sense. We had seen Timberborn is yeah, Timberborn is um, yeah. If, so that is a genre that I think the city builder moving more to these harsh. The city builder was back in many ways as well because uh, we had a few of those uh, trying to pick up the, imp- the impressions label. But the city builder has moved very strongly into the uh, crafting challenge. Yeah, it's like style. they've picked up a bunch of stuff from Rust and, you know, like the, the you know, straight up survival games. Yeah. Now there's like a, a city building component to that or a Rust component to city builders. It's real interesting. Well, but I mean, yeah, it, that it, seems, it, 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 it's, yeah. All, it's all real world, right? I guess you're right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and sort of, uh, I guess there's also sort of been a move toward, um, especially with something like, like Timberborn or, or even to some degree with going medieval where it's, you're going to spend a shorter amount of time with each city. It's not just going to be something you play and play and play forever. Um, you know, you're either the game is going to be designed that you like move in, do your stuff and move out. Or it's the kind of thing where like fail the failure spiral is so harsh, almost like a dwarf fortress where like you're you're expected to fail quite a bit before you actually get kind of a sustainable thing going. Um, yeah, it's very uh, it's it's almost a, a blending of a roguelike uh, yeah. spin where you're expected to die fairly quickly in your first, you know, couple rotations before you sort of figure out how, you know the direction that you want to go or even just how to solve the game, quote unquote. Yeah. So the other, the other thing that I think is, I almost feels unfair to call 2021, like the year of disappointment, disappointment. Um, (laughs) But I almost feel like going into 2021, there were three big banner strategy releases that I personally was looking forward to. Uh, and those would, would have been Humankind, Age of Empires 4, and Total War Warhammer 3. Like, for me, those were going to be the blockbuster strategy games. Warhammer 3 obviously got delayed. Age of Empires 4, I honestly like it a lot, but it is just like a 1999 RTS with prettier graphics uh, at the end of the day. It's like, I've played this before. This is a really good version of this. Uh, this is a very good rendition of this classic song. Um that's uh, kind of been cleaned up and 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 mixed all nice um, uh, in in ultra HD quality or whatever. Um, and then Humankind just like I haven't gone back to it since the month it came out. Humankind like it wasn't a bad game, but it just it fell so flat for me. Did uh, did did any of you guys spend more time with it? I haven't gone back. And I mean, I, I can't blame that on the game, though. Uh, it's it's just a function of being in news and having to move on to the next thing. So That's frequently, true. so like, I, I feel like I want to go back to humankind and, and play a new game. But one of the things that's, I think uh, it's, a, it's a problem that everybody kind of has to reckon with now where you come out with a game and that's, you know, what's your plan for your, what's your year one roadmap? <laughs> like there's kind of this expectation yeah. that there's going to be updates and, and amplitude really hasn't, done a whole lot of that like their their plan i i mean they just haven't been as communicative as developers tend to be now and i think that like again i don't want to yell at them about that at all because i really do think that like it's it's fine to finish a game and be done with it and move on to the next thing um but that has kind of like it's prevented us from 
you know, kind of keeping tabs on it and what's, and, 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 and keeping it in the news cycle. So, um, so it's kind of fallen off just my own personal radar. Cause there's not a whole lot new to report on it since it came out either. Hey, this is Len in the editing bay. I just wanted to add a little snippet here because after we recorded this, they announced the Africa DLC for humankind. Um, but we did not know about that when we actually sat down to record. So I didn't want it to seem like Ian hadn't been paying attention or anything like that. I mean, yeah. I, I tried to go, I tried to go back to it over the holidays. Cause game I wanted to play a lot more of that. I, I kind of enjoyed, I think more than most people on the podcast. And I enjoyed a lot of what it tried to do. Um, mm-hmm. I didn't get a, but most of what they've been doing in the year has been having balance matches. I've been trying to, you know, make things slow down the progression because I thought the game was too easy to beat. Uh, weaken some of the powers like expansionism, which they thought was too strong. Balance some of the numbers. It's it still, you know, it still fights against the talent that it's a game that with a hundred cultures but zero character. Uh, which I think mm-hmm. is kind of its big problem, that you know your uh, goth Maya Roman Soviet civilization feels like no- feels like none of them uh, by the end, uh, it, because there's kind of so much going on when you compare it to other amplitudes, other games, which yeah, they, I was about to say endless legend, like endless yeah. legend. Once you got to the DLC, the race is that they had in there were so vastly different in in the way they played like wildly different where yeah when you do humankind after a while everything starts to feel somewhat similar because there's no like they don't really change how you play for the most part like they'll change if you go towards military or towards science but it's not like uh, and I'm trying to remember the name of the, but uh, one of the Endless Legend races was like purely vampiric, uh, you know, kind of the same stuff that they do in Total War or Warhammer, where the fantasy or the science fiction allows them to vastly push out the races and how they affect your game specifically. Which is not necessarily a bad thing. You look at Old World, which I think most of us like quite a bit, there's nothing really to distinguish in a major way, the Carthaginians from the Assyrians. Um, But the rest of the game has strong characters, and there's other stuff going on. Uh, And there's no promise of, oh, you're changing to something else now, better see what, let's see what this looks like. Yeah, I think Old World sort of splits the difference between, at least for me, um, uh, Civilization and Crusader Kings. Uh, mm-hmm. which uh, if you're if you're deep in the strategy i understand grand strategy people uh i get it i can see it i understand it but it's too complex for me at times uh like even crusader kings 3 i was just like mm, I, I i don't know if i care this much whereas yeah. old world finds that balance in the dynastic uh system where i'm like okay i get where i'm going with this like i get the sip part i get the crusader kings dynasty side and both of these work well enough for me. Yeah, Old World aged really well for me. Um, I think I gave it like a seven when it came out, and uh, I, I wasn't super hot on it. But unlike Humankind, which I haven't gone back to, I have gone back to Old World, and I actually enjoy it more every time I play it. There's just 
like Soren Johnson kind of grasps uh this these little fundamental things about a 4X game that I think maybe not everybody thinks about and he just he understands how to get the little stuff working so that the bigger ideas can kind of sit on top of that sound foundation like the the fact that humankind tried to do this like much more complex sort of combat system and old world has it's not that different other than the addition of orders in terms of like how the combat actually works but because all of these units are so well balanced against each other and they have you know not crazy abilities but they they all have a battlefield role and they all kind of work together to allow these different tactics in a way that is very easy to grasp um I and and I love the character stuff too. I mean, I'm I'm a big Crusader Kings fan, so adding a little bit of Crusader Kings to 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 4X is great. Um when I was thinking towards the end of the year, what was and we'll get to this at the end obviously. What was my favorite strategy game of 2021? Like Old World kind of snuck up on me because I don't know that I would have shortlisted it if you had asked me back in the summer or whatever. Yeah, I ended up popping from game to game uh like ian just because you know work so like uh, some games like i played company of heroes 3 a decent amount this year but that's just because they gave us like the early build with no and, and it didn't occur to me until i got to planning this i was like oh no company of heroes 3 didn't actually come out like it's coming out sometime yeah. in the future <laughs> because i've been playing it but you know i played that i played in zone timberborn i kept jumping from game to game um and and even going back to that lack of through line it's it, like figuring out when a game came out in terms of playing it it's real hard uh but o- old world is probably <laughs> the one that stuck with me mentally the longest other than company of heroes 3 which it, of course isn't out right um ian we'll start with you what what was what was the game that just kind of came out of nowhere in terms of strategy we've talked about some of the big banner stuff but in terms of like something you never had heard of or had never even thought about this type of game before that uh that you really enjoyed or really struck stuck with you in 2021 uh, easy answer, uh, for me. And I think it'll be no surprise to anybody who listened to the podcast episode about it, it but, uh, against the storm, uh, was just a late breaking delight, uh, came out towards the end of the year and well, hit early access, uh, towards the end of the year, uh, November. And, um, that's just, uh, it's such a impressively tight package, um, especially for a developer that is pretty small and I think only has a, a like in their, you know, catalog, uh, I think they've done a mobile game. Um, and um, against the storm, it hits on a lot of the things that we've already talked about, the kind of survival city builder um, elements that um, it's designed in such a way that it's very, uh, somebody in the comments actually um, used the term sessionable which is perfect for uh, the way that I have to consume games. Now uh, I can sit down with it for 45 minutes or an hour and get kind of a, a complete uh, episode or a, a, a story that has a, a beginning, middle and an end uh, in that time. And it's, 
it's just delightfully designed. It's beautiful to look at. There's uh, there are long term progression loops to hook into, um, and um, it does really interesting things economically that I just hadn't seen attempted in a um, in a in a simple like RTS city builder type game. Where, for example, all of the recipes for crafting have uh, options. Like if you if you are in a biome that doesn't produce a whole lot of uh, wheat, you can substitute in another kind of flour if you want to make bread or pies. Like you can kind of improvise a little bit. And the way that the game kind of randomizes your starting conditions, um, it really does kind of push you into this improvisational kind of gameplay style. And so, yeah, Against the Storm is the game. Uh, I, I complained before that I can't go back to games because, you know, there's always this push to keep moving on. I did make time to go back uh, and have uh, go back, gone back to uh, against the storm, and I suspect I, I will continue to as they uh, as they progress through early access. It's just it's a great game. It feels good in the hand, and uh, I've I've really enjoyed my time with it. Uh, Mike, did you have anything that really like came out of left field for you this year that you ended up really digging? Uh, probably. I'm I'm gonna go back to old world just because uh, I remember playing it, and I and I I think. Uh, like you had said, when it first came out, I was like, oh, this is interesting, but uh, it didn't necessarily feel like there was enough meat on that bone. But uh, Mohawk has been working on it for a pretty consistent amount of time, and it just continues to get better. And then I, I think I was like looking forward to Humankind, and then once Humankind came out, I just ended up being like, well, I mean... I just kind of want to play more old world. So, uh, (laughs) (laughs) so that, that ended up being, uh, other than, you know, uh, company of heroes three, or I'm still looking forward to, uh, total war warhammer three to finish that. So I, I I think the, the delays probably also, uh, messed with that. Uh, I haven't played against the storm. I did play like a, a, one of the other ones in zone, a world apart. And I think there's another one out there, like surviving the aftermath, uh there's yeah like troy said there's a bunch of these city survival games that are either out or coming out and sometimes they they sort of blend together mentally for me yeah surviving the aftermath is another one where i played it when it was like the 1.0 version and i didn't feel like there was enough going on and they've had like 15 updates since then so i've been meaning to go back to it sorry about that uh Troy, uh, did did you have a did you have kind of an out of nowhere uh, surprise you? I mean, probably the one that I need to get back into that I'm really enjoying is uh, is f- f- fights in tight spaces. Oh yeah. Oh, does is, fights in tight hmm. does that count? Then that's gonna go on my list. Yeah, does <laughs> that mean it came out? It was in early access for a while and came out in December. It's from Mode Seven and Ground Shelter. It is like into the breach in many ways, uh, and that every action. Your opponents is predictable and foreseeable, and you can pre- prevent them from entering the room from certain places. But it's kind of like choreographing a you know karate matrix type uh, movie type game, and it's you know through playing cards. So it's a deck builder, but also a tactical fighter, and a bit of into the breach going on there, and it's really really stylish and really really cool. Um, some people think it's a bit too easy. I, I I suck at it, but I think it's just has a beautiful style to it and a beautiful look. 
Um, and I'm glad that Mode 7 picked it up. Um, I've been waiting for it for a while. because It looks so good. I didn't want to play it until it came out. because I love the look of it so much. And I was not disappointed at all. Uh, and in a year, in a couple of years, with a lot of these Slay the Spire type games where you have to build a deck and hope you get the cards and how, you know, you have Monster Train and you have, you know, Inscription, you have Slay the Spire and you have all of these other games like this. I think the combination of a deck builder with a tactical strategy combat game is just brilliantly done and brilliantly envisioned. Um, I don't have a whole lot of time in, like only a couple hours. Um, but it's a game that I think is I, I keep wanting to make time for. Um, I love how they like somebody looked at super hot and was like, yes. what if this could be a game of, of perfect information? <laughs> yes, exactly. It is, it, it's fantastic. And I, th- I mean, there are a lot of other games. Inscription is, is great, but I never really get too deep into it, but it's got some narrative stuff going on. So that's fine. Um, Age of Empires. It's, I mean, it's, you know, it's Age of Empires, Taylor's version. It's 10 minutes longer. And it hits all the right notes, <laughs> but you know, everything like was that. everything was fine in Age of Empires three. You know? Um so it's but those are the ones that I kind of spent the most time on. Uh and there's always I mean I I'm I, I there's been a really great war game for me this year. I mean that's really the big shock for me. Usually there's a, well, at least one war game. Oh, this is our war game show for the year. We'll just punch it all into this. Uh but who has time for War in the East 2? I, I, I want to. I own the book. I, I got the manual, and I keep <laughs> wanting to sit down and crack into that game. But I, as soon as I start hearing about, like, managing the air war, I get scared and do something else. I, so. I, I, loved, I, I loved War in the East 1. It was great. I don't have time for War in the East 2. Uh, Grand Tactician Civil War, another one that, you know, there's no great tutorial. Um, one of the static menus, like, man... I, I just want to get into this, but I don't have time. There was a new uh, combat mission, combat mission Cold War, came yep. out uh, towards the end of the year. A lot of great war games. Um, a, the, the Ultimate Admiral, one of those came out. It wasn't very good. But usually every year there's one war game I can count on to like, oh, this is this is me. This is Troy stuff here. Um, and I got, what, f- f- a Field of Glory to one of the medieval expansions. Um, which is fantastic. I love Field of Glory too. That's I, I like having my little t- toy soldiers run around and beat each other up. But yeah, there was no war game for me this year, which kind of really hurt. So yeah, I'd have to go back to uh, Fights in Tight Spaces. That that, that that that's my not my game of the year. I'm sorry, I have played enough of a game of the year. That's the one's like yeah, yeah. This is this is the one I'm going to come back to from 2021. I think this kind of speaks to the fact that we're all kind of frayed a little bit after the past <laughs> couple of years. Like, oh, like the, the, the idea of uh, committing to like, <laughs> I mean, with the exception of possibly of, of, of Len and, uh, and hearts of iron, uh, like committing to like a, a, a massive campaign, like in war in the East two, uh, like I, I just kind of get tired. <laughs> yeah. Thinking about I it. Mean, I mean, I want to well, do it like moment to moment. It's, it seems like a good time, but, but, you know, oh, gosh, I'm going to have to set all these parameters and, man, you know, like it, it start off and whatever yeah. year. It just, yeah, it, it's. I've got too much work to do. I can't I can't add another project like this. It's like it seems like building a, a, a patio or something or an expansion of the house. 
I, I've definitely felt that and like it's it's not a strategy game, but like people have been telling me forever to play the Yakuza series and like they're all on Games Pass now. So it's like I'm out of excuses and I get like four hours in and I'm like, man, I would have loved to have found the series in college when I yeah. could have just taken like 16 hours over a weekend to like dive into this world and just like exist there for like a long period of time. Uh, which kind of comes back to what you're saying about games being sessionable. And I'm curious if that's just the way things are heading, like the the strategy games, maybe even games in general. Um, I, I think that like, you know, again, not strategy, but one of the the cornerstones, one of the milestones that that really uh, spoke to this trend for me was was with Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild, where they moved from a sort of thing where you're going to go into this dungeon and you're going to be in there for hours to there's hundreds of little dungeons and you can finish them in like 20 minutes or whatever. Uh, we've talked about some strategy games are doing that. Um, Mike, do you think that's that's kind of the future? I, I think there's going to be a lot of that. Like you were talking uh fights in tight spaces and i think that's going to be one of those games that uh people know on uh you know steam and stuff and they they get old but then when it comes to i, I think when that comes to switch that's the like that's going to be the one that turns uh and there are yeah. other games like that like hollow knight yeah. or or um uh disco elysium like when it comes to switch then everybody gets on board and i think tight uh, fights in tight spaces uh hits that for me but yeah i think there's sort of this move uh like a you know a split maybe towards people going towards the deeper longer experiences like you know war in the east uh or you know the grand strategy games and then people going towards really like the inscriptions the slay the spires where you can put in like you know five ten minutes at a time to finish an encounter uh, and maybe you do spend time, but a lot of the time you're spending is like deck building or setting up your team or your squad, something where you can drop in 30 minutes, play it and then get out. Um, I, I do think games are sort of moving a little bit towards in that direction, which is interesting because I used to feel that tactics games were that. But like most publishers have just avoided tactics games for a while. Like now there are games that are sort of tactics games inside something else like um, Celasta or something like that. But uh, yeah, I, I do think that they're looking to try to reach out towards uh, that casual quote unquote audiences who might want smaller experiences in between something else. I think it's kind of the same way, like the same reason that American football is easy to understand because it's, it's easy to kind of break down. It's a game of, of possessions and downs. So like the story's kind of presented for you. You don't have to create a narrative of the game necessarily on your own, the way that you would, if you were trying to describe a soccer match or a, a basketball game, um, like football just is broken up into like really intel intelligible discrete little chunks that that um each have their own story and i think that that accounts for some of like the the massive popularity that it has here it's just it's easy to watch because you don't really it's not demanding very much of you well and i mean yeah, when, I when i was in college this is this was what the rts was right 
the RTS yeah. was the game you'd play over lunch in graduate school. Come back from the library, you have a, you have, and I have thirty five minutes to an hour, and that would be your session. You play you play a couple of skirmishes, and you're done. And that's what the RTS has always been. And I think you know games are some are moving towards that, and some are moving towards the longer form storytelling. That's the grand strategy games are. That's the four X games have always been uh, telling these grand epic stories. Uh, whereas I think you're right. There's a trend towards. I mean, city builders aren't really about building large cities. They're about how long can you survive in X situation. So they're kind of like roguelikes. They're moving. I think in many ways, like the RTS, away from the narrative side of strategy development towards the skill development side, getting better and better at the game and being able to see it concretely because the sessions are so short. You're immediately learning something and immediately taking forward, taking it forward into the next session. Whereas, you know, I learned how to build a better division in Hearts of Iron 4. Not allowed to talk about Paradox games, but here I am anyway. Uh, <laughs> That's not something you can really take forward if you're still invested in the game you're playing now. You're not, you're not going to, well, I might, because I'm a scum saver like that, but a lot of people aren't going to stop a game in 1941 because they finally figured out how to build divisions and then reload again in 1933. They're going to want to, uh, 1936, they're going to want to push, push it, push it forward. Uh, they want to see that game through to the end, even if it takes them you know, so many hours. Uh, so toward the skill development and mechanics side of strategy games is on the one hand. On the other hand, you have the, I want to tell a great story of what's going on in my kingdom. I want to tell the, all about all of these interactions, uh, about the uh, insanity in uh, Old World. Or I finally, I turned the Americans into the Soviets somehow in humankind. And somehow that was, somehow somebody finds it interesting and cool. Um, that's the other side of, of strategy. There's always been this tension between the storytelling, telling the story of the game you're playing, and oh, I am figuring out and mastering the system. I, I agree with that. Go ahead. Uh, a game that I should mention on that side is Wilder Myth. Oh which yeah, is a technically a tactics game. It's kind yeah. of playing out a tabletop uh, RPG kind of thing, but the focus there is the narrative. Like it's, yeah. it's putting together all of these, uh, like you you make your characters and then it just creates all of these interesting little narratives around them, and that's the fun part. Yeah, yeah. I don't even necessarily know if if like casual is the right word, although I don't think casual is a bad word at all. It's more like to shout out to some of our friends. Uh, we're all gamers with jobs at this point. <laughs> and I think a lot of us in who are strategy fans, you know, we crave, uh, you know, a certain level of engagement and a certain level of kind of like depth and difficulty. Uh, we just want to be able to do it in, in these more digestible uh, pieces where, where you could be telling a grand sweeping narrative about this kingdom, you know, over hundreds of years. But even in a game like that, I want to be able to sit down and, and uh, like you were talking about, I want to be able to tell a single story in, you know, maybe 30 minutes to an hour, if that's all I have uh, in the evening before I, you know, collapse. Um, so I don't, I don't exactly know how I would go about I mean, like what, was, what I'm saying was, is we're, we're all waiting for yeah. the, we're, we're all waiting for the new dwarf fortress. Is what it comes down, to. right? 
<laughs> yeah, which might just be Dwarf Fortress. They say it's coming out on Steam soon. I don't know. Um, we're being, we're, we're going yeah, to do, yeah. do a month on that. We're going to do a month on Dwarf Fortress. I'm going to Oh, yeah. 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 Like, they have the winter of Wargaming. We're going to have, like, the autumn of Dwarf Fortress or something. And the winter uh, of Wargaming, there aren't any good war games, goddammit. If yeah, you're going to talk yeah. about stories, though, yeah, that's the game. Like the yeah. the the OG Dwarf Fortress is that's the storytelling yeah. game. That's the game that yeah. it creates like the stories like none other. I I just I remember reading the story the the chronicle of boat murdered on the something awful forums. Yeah, yeah. and uh, that I I I guess I've been chasing that dragon since then. Yeah, like, that's exactly <laughs> what true. I want. <laughs> it's true. Uh, which is really interesting. It seems like every year we have the same discussion about how, oh, nothing comes out anymore because early access is completely replaced. It's like Factorio got a 1.0 release this year. And it's like, what? it feels it feels ridiculous to give that <laughs> the award because I've been playing it for like five years. Um, how did I? Like, oh, God. I reviewed it what for, have I done for with IGN my life? like a year ago. It's like, yeah, because it's finally... Yeah. quote unquote out now and it's like dwarf fortress might never come out i we we don't know i mean every i've been playing that since was i still in no i was out of high school by the time God, I, I hope so dwarf fortress dwarf fortress is a little younger yeah. than it seems like it is but not a lot no well i want to say it was like 2009 was the first time yeah. i picked up dwarf fortress so that's and and it's like you people have just been happily playing it and it doesn't matter if it's ever finished because they just keep adding stuff to it. Yeah, this I um, mean this is just like the it's I feel like yeah. there's it's the chronicle of Tarn Adam's brain, really. Yeah. Like this is the like his uh you know, explorations into uh you know computer engineering. But um there, but just to that, I mean, just this past month, there was a big uh, update to Project Zomboid, which, you know, originally showed up on early access back in like 2011. And now it suddenly has 60,000 concurrent players on Steam. So, yeah. And, and RimWorld, when was there? I feel like RimWorld just had their religion one October, that November. Yeah, that was just this. Yeah. Yeah. So I. Early access is part of it. Like, yes, the 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 <laughs> it, the fact that we are in the end times is messing with our our minds. Like, did this come out in 2019, 2020? But also, <laughs> early access is is part of that. Like, is RimWorld N 1.0? I think it is. I, I think well, it's a, been for twenty. Since we have we're approaching the event horizon of the black hole, and this is spaghettification. <laughs> we're experiencing that. That's what. This all is, I think. Uh, here, here, well, here I am still working with archaic ideas like release date announcements. What am I thinking? No, that's <laughs> no. <laughs> um, so with that in mind, was there a was there an ongoing game in 2021 that had like a particularly impactful uh, patch or DLC or expansion or anything uh, that before we get around to uh, kind of our strategy games of the year? Um, I guess what what would be the what would be the best ongoing strategy game for you in in 2021, Troy? That I mean, you're allowed to talk about. <laughs> yeah. Does it does it have to have like I mean, f- the game I play the most is still uh, Dungeon Crawl Stone Soup, and it gets updated regularly, usually a couple of times a year. Uh, 
they've made some pretty dramatic changes in the last year. Uh, for example, you now can identify items by walking over them. The only items you have to identify really are potions. They still have identify scrolls. They got rid of food. Like you don't need to eat food anymore. This is a, a central part of the net hack descendant roguelike, which Dungeon Crawl is for the longest time. But now you don't need to worry about food. Um, so the game is in some. You can find scrolls of acquirement, like wish scrolls, much earlier in the game. Like everything's been kind of made easier in some ways. You can find better equipment faster, which makes it kind of fun, because now I can actually get down to the lower levels, and it's kind of great. Um, but it still feels like this is a game that was once really, really hardcore and tough. Is really, I don't want to say dumbing itself down, but it's making itself more, we want people to see the cool things in the game. We want them to see artifact weapons, etc., etc. Uh, so that's the game I probably play the most. Besides, you know, as always, out of the park baseball. I mean, I'm just every year I'm buying that stupid baseball game, <laughs> and every year I'm trying to lead the 1982 Expos to the World Series because it didn't get there when I was ten. Didn't even come close. Uh, <laughs> but when I'm in charge, goddamn it, Andre Dawson hits his 40 home runs uh, and gets two MVP awards and doesn't break his knees on a bad turf. Um, so you know, it's it's, it's usual stuff. For me, the ones that I keep coming coming back to. There's really been no DLC or expansions that have changed how I looked at games. Because I've played beyond the games that I have to play for work, which I can say are all my games of the year. Um, the there hasn't been any really singular piece of DLC that's maybe oh yeah, this has really changed or really lifted up my experience. I mean, there's always the to new Total War stuff comes out, and that's always great fun have new Three Kingdoms things. Those are nice. Troy had some uh, nice little expansions. Uh, they had a new one with a racist and Memnon uh, in December. And, you know, <laughs> as, as, as a Greek mythology nerd, Memnon, that's my guy. Memnon's my guy. You know, oh. it's king of Ethiopia, rides up to save Troy, and gets killed because that's what happens in Greek mythology. You try to be a hero and you die for it. Uh, Memnon's my guy. Um, so it really hasn't been a whole lot. I mean, it's, but I keep going back to my regular standards, my annual standards, uh, which are uh, Dungeon Crawl, Stone Soup, and Out of the Park Baseball. What about you, Mike? What games, what strategy games that didn't come out this year uh, did you really vibe with in 2021? Oh, okay. So different question, because I was, I was struggling for the DLC. I was like, that had an update well, you, this you, year. You, you can do that, too. You can do it. You can answer my question. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I'll, I'll. Um, That's just classic mm. politics, uh, you know. Advice is, to, uh, you know, if you get a question you don't like, answer the <laughs> one that you do. Because I did play a lot of XCOM two. Because uh, XCOM two oh, came out yeah. on on Switch. Um, it's not the oh, most yeah. amazing port, but it's there. Um, meaning, and and the the way the Switch works, I can just hit the button and shut it off and then hit the button and jump right back into the, the battle um, and be perfectly fine. Um, so that's probably the, the one, if I had to say. Uh, maybe Phoenix Point got another release. It actually came out on, on Steam, I think, this year. Um, Phoenix Point had a lot of updates, yeah. Uh, a lot of the uh, roadmap stuff got filled in this year. Yeah, and it, it had come out on Epic, I think, and then... Uh, 
you know, that the normal uh, gap there. And then it released on Steam with all of the the updates that they yeah. have released on Epic. And so I hadn't played it since the Epic release. And then I played it again on Steam with all of the updates. And I was like, okay, okay, we're, we're, we're definitely. And again, that's part of the, 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 the drawback of early access is I don't remember when this game came out uh, or if it has come out yet. Uh, but the, the benefit is the game can keep getting better. Like they can keep, hacking away at it making balance changes adding new units and stuff to make it a much better game and i think uh phoenix point is one of those that ended up early access helping it a lot yeah it's uh that's another one i haven't gone back to like since it came out is is phoenix point i should check out where that actually is um ian what about you did you have any any major updates or just games, older games that you played a lot last year? Uh, I was real pleased with the Silence and the Fury DLC for Warhammer 2. Yeah. Uh, mainly because I'm an old school Beastmen fan, even despite oh, all yeah. the, uh, like, they, I'll be honest. I mean, the orig- as originally included in the first game, they weren't great, but I had a, a real good time with them. And then adding Tarox and like a bunch of new stuff in this like new uh, DLC, that was a blast. So I was happy yeah. with that. But the um the one that I think I wound up like being most interested in was, and uh, John Bolding's not here tonight, but uh, he'll be happy. Uh, but it's uh, Workers and Resources Soviet Republic. Had a couple of really cool updates uh, this year, uh, including... Um, pretty recently, they added like the, uh, like you can have a secret police now and there's like government loyalty if you want yeah so there's a whole um like what it it had the effect of making the kind of splitting up the population a little bit in a way that you could influence and so like having kind of like you it kind of gave you the opportunity to play quite a bit more evil if you wanted to or and to resist the urge to do that um, I mean, you can, with that game, you can kind of ignore anything you don't like. Um, but I thought that was pretty cool. They added helicopters and other gizmos to to play with too. So, you know, that's just one of those games that you, like, if you really, <laughs> like, if setting up like a, uh, um, you know, the actual conveyor belts that go from a, uh, a quarry to an aggregate storage yard and then having <laughs> like the schedule for the trucks to take them to the refinery. And that, if that appeals to you, uh, then this is the game. And they just keep kind of like putting more stuff in there, which is great because that's exactly what you want. If you are, are obsessed with train schedules and bus schedules and road layouts and all that kind of stuff. So that that was that's, cool. That, yeah, the, the couple updates for that were were pretty great this year. That's really interesting because I always feel like that was a big part of the promise of that game that was just missing every time I wanted to play it is sort of the the propaganda and the you know the hearts and minds aspect of running a communist state. They had a little bit of that with like religion and like border crossings and stuff, but the fact that you can actually kind of have a police system now makes me want to go back and try it again. Oh yeah. It's it's um, like you can, the, each citizen has like a loyalty level and you can restrict jobs to citizens with loyalty above a certain threshold. So huh. like you can run like a real 
you know, um, it's a G's social credit system. In there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's almost the same thing. And so, uh, yeah, you got so, your so, secret so, police so, to it, enforce it, things. It, and, yeah, and now it's, it's not... like Tropico, but with less racism. Uh, yeah, okay. uh, pretty much. Yeah. I'm, like, like it, it, It's not so much. I don't know. I, I've Tropico has been a troublesome game for me for a while. Cause I don't know what the joke is anymore. Like, what are you yeah. doing? <laughs> like what, yeah, how does this work? Yeah. But it's also uh, very, very easy. Yeah. Um, well, I definitely agree about uh, Warhammer 2. I think Torox like became like one of my top five favorite legendary lords the second they released him. Uh, it's also a million. It's, it feels like a million years ago now, but in January of 2021, they released the, the Azrai Resurgent update. Yes. And what elves are my favorite? Well, it's between what elves and Norska, but what elves since Norska never had an army book. Wood Elves are technically my favorite faction, and I just love all the changes they got. Uh, played a lot of Warhammer 2 this year. Um, Hearts of Iron for No Step Back was amazing. I just did a show on it with Luke Plunkett, so you can go back and listen to that um, if you want to hear my thoughts on that. Um, I'm trying to think of something that's not Paradox or Warhammer, because <laughs> like people are always getting on my case for talking about Paradox and Warhammer too much. Um, but that's most of what I play in my free time, uh, even to this day. Civ Six also, I, I enjoyed a lot of the new Frontier stuff, and I've I've gone back to Civ Six, um, quite a bit. Uh, so we are uh we are we have put what is a very weird year behind us that doesn't have um a very clear narrative through line when it comes to strategy games. Uh, but Mike, if you had to pick a strategy game of the year, uh, who would you give it to for 2021? You know what? I respect you, Sora Johnson. Your old world <laughs> is going to get it. Old world is going to get it. Um, uh, please don't, don't, don't hate me, Paul, over at Mode 7. Uh, Tights and Fight Spaces <laughs> is excellent, but I'm going to give it to old world. Uh, Ian, what about you? I think for me, it has to go to Age of Empires 4. Um, yeah. And that's, like you said, it is basically like a 1999 uh, RTS. I, I think my feelings about it were that, like, if they made Age of Empires 2 now, this would be it. And uh, and there was, I mean, considering how far, like, how much has happened with that series, just, like, in terms of the definitive editions and all the stuff that they've kind of iterated on in the in the intervening years, I, I feel like, you know, they could have, they could have dropped the ball, and they didn't. And uh, I was, I came away really happy uh, from Age and, of Empires and, 4, and, so, yeah. And that game was real safe because they needed to, to lay down the... Mm. The like the Age of Empires is back, and that, that it's one of those That's, yeah those projects that's meant just to bring the thing back and let fans know it's gonna be okay. Uh, and then maybe Age of Empires Five, they can like get get weird with it, <laughs> right? Uh, and I, I, well, I think after um, Relics, you know, experience, you know, getting experimental with Dawn of War. Uh, went pretty badly. I, I, you could kind of see Age of Empires four coming a little ways off. Uh, that it would that it would probably be a safer game, but it, it is. A, a, I think they walked a razor's edge pretty impressively between making sure that they made something that the you know the large existing fan base was going to like and appreciate, 
but that would also bring new people in because it was going to be on Game Pass and, uh, you know, trying to, you know, appeal to a much broader audience as well. And I think that Age of Empires 4 probably does that as successfully as it possibly could have. Troy, what is your, uh, as far as games you're allowed to talk about, what is I, your I can't, I can't, I didn't play enough games to really make any fair yeah. call. I mean, my year was, you know, most of my game time goes towards work stuff. And my brain was on another planet for a lot of the year. Uh, so I really, I don't think I can legitimately pick a game of the year. I feel like I'd be doing somebody a disservice. Considering there are so many games that I really wanted to play, uh, but did not find time for and i feel guilty about not finding enough time for things like um you know inscription or grand tactician or uh things that i would probably you know really really enjoy or really really respect in certain ways so i'm gonna have to pass on picking a game of the year i will say there's a lot of promise from like new developers um Mm -hmm. i think this year we've seen a lot more exciting new things from new teams uh, I hope that continues uh, going forward. Um, I think that's probably one thing that contributed to the amorphous feel of the year. That like, what do you do with something like uh, Storm Amongst Us or Amongst the Storm from a relatively new team, and it's an early access, and everyone's seen. I haven't played it yet, but I mean, how does something like that just shake up your brain? Um, and so I, I don't think I can pick a game of the year, but there's. I really hope I can play more games this year. I, all I need is for my life not to be over this year. I, think I mean, I, I, you can say you can say that your game of the year is City Skylines 2 that you guys are working on behind the scenes. <laughs> you can say that. It's okay. Tell us how good Victoria 3 is. Let's oh, just, it's so good. Chat. Victoria 3 is so good. <laughs> I can't. Uh, uh, but I can also say I don't have a whole lot of time in City Skylines 1. I just have not found time for it, which I think is a horrible yeah. thing to say. Because uh, I, because I, I love that team and mad at me, Marina. Uh, but it is a, it, it's a fantastic game. But I, these guidelines, I don't even know what that is. <laughs> um, yeah, I guess I. So if we want to go by games that technically are released this year, again, I said it was seems ridiculous to even mention this on a twenty twenty one list, but. Mine might be Factorio, even though you know I pl- I've played way more Factorio yeah. before 2021 than I actually did in 2021. I reviewed it in 2021, and it's still a really good game. Um, if not that, then I probably also go with Age Four. Um, Old World would be kind of my dark horse there, but uh, it's uh, I I've just ended up having a lot of fun with uh some of the factions in there and I'm I'm excited to see where they go with the franchise from here. Uh, giving Factor your 2021 game of the year is like giving Russell Crowe the best actor award for for, for, for Gladiator instead of the insider. That was a great performance. Okay? It really it was. was a, yeah. yeah. It was a great it, performance. That was a bad movie and it was not. Uh, <laughs> Master and Commander then. Yes, yeah, so, oh definitely. Russell, Russell Crowe is great, but he should not have been yeah. Um, yeah, so I think, I think we kind of touched on the overall themes or lack thereof. We, we touched on a lot of the hidden gems. Does anybody have any final thoughts on strategy gaming in 2021 before we 
But uh, the year that was supposed to be better than 2020, but it, things didn't really get better uh, behind us and and hope for hope for good things in 2022. I really hope I can get more multiplayer in this year. Because uh, yeah. we were really getting, you know, kind of going with that a bit. in uh, you know, 2019, 2020, we're kind of moving with some regular multiplayer sessions in our groups. And I was in other groups as well. And that kind of fell by the wayside. And I'd really like to get kind of get things like our Northguard games and our uh, Steel Division game. And I think we both learned a lot about uh, how those games were built uh, by exploring them in multiplayer. And I think that's something I'd like to get a lot more of in, in 2022. Yeah, the uh, the Northguard guys are coming out with that Dune game uh, that uh, I haven't seen any of it yet, but I've talked to them about it and they seem to. They seem to have some cool ideas, so that might be a, a possibility too. Because I think Northgard is like almost the perfect pick up, put down multiplayer game at this point. Because it's an RTS, but it doesn't have all the like economic micromanagement of an RTS. It's more like a worker place placement game, and it's just you can. There's a lot of strategy involved, but it's not super hectic. It's not gonna like oh, I'm waking up on. Sunday morning, and I have to turn my brain on to play some Age of Empires. Uh, yeah. Uh, any other final thoughts? I just, I just want, just want more games. I, how is Dune getting an RTS, and Star Wars doesn't have one yet? Come on, Star Wars, what are we yeah. doing out here? Where's Empire at War Three or whatever? Yeah. Uh, oh, and 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 why isn't period the twentieth anniversary of the? Uh, Peter Jackson movies. Why isn't Battle for Middle Earth two available anywhere? You can't. You can't buy it. Like it, unless you find a disc somewhere. You you can't even buy it on Origin. Oh, I have a disc somewhere, but who has a disc drive anymore? Yeah, uh, that's true. I mean, <laughs> but I mean, why why isn't that on early access? Or on, oh, sorry, on a Xbox Pass. Why isn't that on Steam? That's a fantastic game. Yeah, it's, in multiplayer. And it's because WB has the rights to Lord of the Rings now, and it's apparently some sort of legal kerfuffle with EA. That makes sense. Uh, yeah. <laughs> the, uh, the Tolkien estate can be uh, hard to deal with. Uh, yeah, I'd love to fire up some Battle for Middle-Earth, too. Uh, Ian, did you have any final thoughts on 2021? Yeah, you know, I'm thinking about some of the games that I played that, that I, I guess I haven't gotten mentioned a whole lot, like uh, uh, Stronghold Warlords. I had a good time with that, although it uh, yeah, didn't yeah. quite stand out as much as I wanted it to. There there was Nebuchadnezzar, which I think sort of heralds like they're doing a remake of uh, Pharaoh, which is kind of uh, one of those ones in the Caesar uh, series of old um, uh, Sierra games. Yeah. Uh, game. yeah, the Impressions right, games. Right. Uh, so. That's kind of going to be something interesting to look forward to. Like, I, like are, are those going to be kind of making a comeback or how will they do? I guess like that's that's kind of exciting. Uh, but basically, yeah. I just yeah, I like like Troy. I, I kind of wanted to play a lot more than I did. Um, and I really I think with with strategy gaming, I I'm just going to have to take some vacation time and like set like days aside to yeah. dig in and like uh, like a like a long weekend or something and just do the you know uh war in the east 2 campaign or or the the equivalent in the coming year you know i so yeah it it's another one of these like groundhog day years uh after 2020 2021 and i once again got to the end and felt like you know i i didn't do nearly as much as i probably had time to do so hey 
Uh, third time's the charm, maybe. I hope so. Well, we will be here uh, bringing you much more uh, strategy game discussion as the year rolls around. Uh, knock on wood that it's not just going to be another uh, another year where, where nothing really changes and nothing gets better. And uh, we'll at least have some good strategy games to look forward to uh, and, and, and pick apart and discuss and maybe even play uh, some multiplayer, uh, which if you're interested in playing multiplayer with us, uh, that is one of our uh, Patreon tiers. We are supported by listeners just like you on patreon.com slash 3MA. Uh, Three Moves Ahead is generally produced by me and hosted on the Idle Thumbs Network. You can go to idlethumbs.net slash 3MA and uh, join the discussion on our forums. Uh, also through Patreon, you can get access to our top secret Discord server uh, because who uses forums anymore? It's it's 2022. We should be driving around in, in flying cars and, and hoverboards and shit. Uh, who wants to go on a forum? Who wants to sit there hitting F5 to see if anybody has, has replied to your thread? We'll be back next week with more Three Moves Ahead. So uh, for Troy and for Mike and for Ian, this is Len saying goodnight. <laughs>